This is News Talk 980 CKNW. I've had one of those horrible summer colds for about a month, and I've just not been able to kick it. So in the interest of denial, of course, I carried on, life as usual, infecting everyone around me. But uh, last week, I went into a deli, the Dirty Apron, on Beatty Street, and the guy behind the counter asked me how I am. Not someone to fake it. I say, I am so sick. And he says, that's awesome. I wish I was so sick. And just as I realized what he was saying, I said, why? And he said, oh my gosh, you're actually sick. Communication is key in all relationships. And you'll learn that here on the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where you educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TED speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, health, your body. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight up sex talk. But I seduce you with the sex in actual fact, uh, because this show is also about health, love, your body, relationships, online dating, and more. Let's hope for you. It will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box, and have just a little bit more fun while you're at it. So thanks for being with me tonight. I would like to say there's an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, any type, unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. For those of you who have been down this dark path and had this tragedy of sexual abuse, you are never far from my heart, and I wish you all the best on your healing journey. Please put the kitties to bed, grab your glass of wine, your lover, perhaps just yourself, that's fine too, and let's go. Drum roll, please. Matt is in the studio tonight. How are you, Matt? Yeah, fantastic. How about you? Well, I'm getting better, Still, still have that cold. It's, it feels like it's been two months, to be honest. I've had everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it all. I've had the sore throat, the ears, the limps, the headache, the nasal congestion. And you know what? I have a deep voice, as you know. And so I cannot tell you how many times this month I've, when they've said, yes, sir. And I've said, no, I'm actually a woman. <laughs> Just yesterday, even, when I, because I've gone from like, no appetite to starving and like craving things like, you know, supersize me at McDonald's with a filet of fish and fries. (laughs) And they're like, uh, you know, sir, your order is 851. Please move on to the, and I'm like, I'm a woman. Should I bother telling people that anymore? (laughs) Do they not look up from the till or like... Well, I guess no, you're, you know, you they just hear my voice. Okay, so got they you, think, got you. I'm like, do I sound like a man? Anyway, um, oh, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another little communication thing, because communication is key. We're talking about sex tonight. Hope you put the children to bed. They should go to bed. It's dark now. It's so much easier to get them in there these days. Um, uh, but another communication thing, I, I finally went to a walk-in clinic. I didn't even go to my own doctor. <laughs> I went to a walk-in clinic. I had 20 minutes between two meetings, and I thought, there's no one sitting in those chairs. I'm whipping in. I whipped in, and a medical student assessed me, and I was just like, I start, of course, using the lingo, which anyone that knows me, they're, they're just like, what, is, what does GI mean if I say, you know, I've had a GI bug? And they're like, what's that, gastrointestinal? So I use a lot of acronyms because I've been in healthcare for a while, and, 
And so I, I said to her, you know, I ha- my main stem bronchus is tight. And she just started laughing. And uh, I was really sick. And she said, oh, my gosh, you are so sick. But she said, I love how you're sick because you're, so, you're still so happy. Like, it just <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't affect my mood at all. And I'm like, uh. no, I know. I'm kind of getting a little tired of this. But I did. I, um, it was my own fault in one way. I was getting a little bit better. And then I mentioned paddleboarding a couple of weeks ago. Remember I said I was going to go paddleboarding? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. every day I'm an optimist. And every day I'm thinking, I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'll be better by Tuesday. And so I went paddleboarding. But it was the morning that the fires um, had come out to Deep Cove. And so they, it was thick with smoke. So for two hours, I paddleboarded. I, interestingly enough, I got a few emails from people that said, what is paddleboarding? <laughs> so sometimes I leave a few things out. So it's actually called stand-up paddleboarding. If you're like a good at it, you might say SUP, S-U-P for stand-up paddleboarding. So it's like a surfboard. You stand up on it and you paddle. And so I paddled for two hours. I think that's the last exercise that I've done. So I'm pretty much like the Pillsbury Doughboy as well right now. Um, so, But anyway, I go into this medical student and she listens to my chest and 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 then the doctor came in and he listened to my chest as well, which was wheezy in the bases, as I said. And then the main stem bronchus gave me a Brio inhaler, which is a combination of a steroid and a rescue breather. You take it once a day. And um, so that was helpful. But then this was the kicker. The doctor says to me, you know, this isn't going to hurt you. I'm not sure if it will help you, but it's not going to hurt you. But a naturopathic company came in and bought us lunch this week. So do you, you know, why don't you try their products? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, not a chance. No way. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, I'm, because they bought you lunch. They basically bought you. And so that's one of the big complaints about pharmaceutical companies is that a lot of patients are kind of anti-medication because they feel like, pharmaceutical companies influence physicians and you know and and the naturopathic anyone can say anything is natural you know and and i loved how he said this may not hurt you uh no it this won't hurt you how does he know but it may not help you anyway the medications were expensive enough but that had nothing to do with why i actually just didn't believe that those that whatever he was suggesting to me had a hope in heck of working so um Anyway, so that was that. I didn't take the antibiotics at that time that they recommended. I waited for the chest x-ray. And uh, so I started the antibiotics yesterday, feeling uh, amazingly better. I have bronchitis. I don't have pneumonia, apparently. So, But typically, they don't treat bronchitis with antibiotics. But amazingly, they worked. Some, the doctor said sometimes... You know, there is an infection there. It's difficult to see it on a chest x-ray. I don't know. Is there a doctor out there? Can you help me? I do feel better. (laughs) And that was my thing. I'm like, I'm sure I go on antibiotics. I'm going to get better. That placebo effect is alive and well. Anyway, we are talking about lots of things tonight. Sex is always in the news. We have Donald Trump, president of the United States, playing footsie with Nancy Pelosi and uh, Chuck Schumer, the Democrats. Anyway, I won't go any further into politics than that. But nonetheless, sex is all over. This is another uh, interesting and sad story, I thought. There were some nurses who were suspended. Because five nurses were suspended because they were looking at the private, pots, pr- private parts of a deceased gentleman. I thought that was really sad, and it really... Um, you know, cast a dark shadow Where on was this? nursing. This was in, of course, the United States of America. Um, I think it was in Denver, actually. Yeah, the Denver Health Medical Center. And so the nurses were suspended for three weeks. It was investigated, and it wasn't found to be criminal. So, um, but I think that's pretty sad. On the flip side of that, men, have you put the kids to bed yet? Men have been looking at women's 
especially in the hospital, especially nurses, you know, looking at women's breasts um, for a long time and talking about it. So I think the same thing happened. It's interesting. I just think it's a little bit interesting, but I think it was incredibly disrespectful that this was done posthumously, that this is done on a deceased body. And that would be hard for the family who's grieving to hear that story. So, you know what? Even nurses aren't perfect, except for yours truly, of course. No, I am so far from perfect. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> the most imperfect. I don't even, I'm not a perfectionist. I, I have a high standard, but I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> anyway, if you are that, because being perfectionistic can stop you in life, right? It can actually paralyze you. So I'm very proud that I'm actually not a perfectionist. And all those people are like, I'm a perfectionist. You know, it's anyway, you're annoying. Um, but that's, <laughs> so, I can't laugh because the chest sounds so bad. I've taken Ventolin before the show and the Brio and my antibiotic. Forget it. And I've stayed home and slept all day. <clears throat> Talk about not feeling sexy. I've been living in flannel and and uh, I got this massive thick. I've been wearing a bed scarf. Do you know what a bed scarf is? It's like at the end of the bed. Like, anyway, like a like a you snuggie see, or you see them in hotels. No, but a snuggie would have been good. No, you see them in hotels. They're at the end of the bed, and I happen to have one. And I've just one like maybe two weeks into my illness, just wrapped it around my neck and never took it off. Anyway, my knee socks, the whole nine yards. You can picture how sexy that looks. Um, tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, you've heard of helicopter parents, but have you heard of lawnmower parents? You know, raising kids, it is like a hallucinogenic trip down some, like, like financially depleting, emotionally wrecking, you know, like, forget it. They have everything over on you. I remember one time I said to one of my kids, um, you know, he'd done something wrong, and I, I said, uh, you know, basically was teaching him discipline. You shouldn't do this again. And this is why and da 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 and the whole lesson. And at five years of age, he said to me, um, I said, do you understand what I'm talking about? And he said, what's the square root of a million? And I thought, good Lord, he is light years beyond me. And he's five. <laughs> anyway, so it's difficult that they are manipulative. They are scheming, you know, uh, constantly, they will admit it to you as the years go on. Um, so they're very difficult. They're, never lend your children money. That's the other thing. It's like, can I borrow some money? Oh, sure. And then they say, can I borrow some money again? And you're like, yeah, sure, you can borrow some money. And then it's like, well, what about the last time you borrowed money? You never paid me back. And they're like, you have, first they try with, I paid you back. And then it's like, no, you didn't. And then it's like, you want me to pay you back? What parent does that? You know, what parent lends their kids money? I'm like, yeah, exactly. What parent lends their kids money? Don't lend them money. Try to maintain your sanity. Nonetheless, don't be a lawnmower parent. I'm going to talk to you about that very shortly. Everybody wants more intimacy in their relationship. I have 10 tips to improve the bond in your bedroom. Are you having a baby? Have you had a baby? That postpartum period can make or break you and your relationship. Well, you need to know about the blog Morse Cap. I'm going to be talking with Yana, the creator of this. Also, since it's education time, it's the fall. School is in. We are talking about age-appropriate sex education for kids so that your children don't have to come and see me when they turn 40 and don't understand about sex. So I'm going to be educating you so you can educate them. I'm often asked about what it means uh, in terms of sexuality, the acronyms. I use them a lot. And so people are like, what is that? One day, I hope we don't have to label people, but I'm going to be reviewing a glossary of terms, courtesy of Smart Sex Source. As you know, sex talk is important. It's women who report boredom in the bedroom, more so than you guys. So what are you going to do about it? you got to up your game. I talk a lot about infidelity, which is negative. Why don't we talk about monogamy? That's a challenge, too. But uh, anyway, we'll delve into that subject as well. And you get marriage advice from family counselors, therapists, life coaches, neighbors, and even radio hosts, but... 
sometimes the best comes from a divorced guy. So a little article from Huff Post, Huff, Huffington Post might help you. Last week, Matt, I forgot two subjects. I hate to overpromise and underdeliver: stashing and women in porn. So we're going to be covering that tonight. Your emails as well. You can give me a call with any questions you have. The number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you, which I do every single Sunday night, live from the beautiful downtown studios here. It's a lovely to be with you tonight and thank you so much for listening as always as you know this show is nothing without you i have liz on the line hello liz hi there how are you i'm good i listen to your show all the time and i just love it oh thank you that's so nice of you to say so my question is my boyfriend wants me to have sex all the time like every time we get together every night when we're on holiday and more and I'm just trying to figure out what normal is, and I'm starting to feel guilty if I say no. Well, how is the relationship in general? It's really good, other than that. Are, and are there... <laughs> let me... Let me <laughs> it's actually not really good, Liz. <laughs> That's a big issue. Um, you know, women report more boredom in the bedroom than men do, according to research. So is... Are you a bit bored with him? Like you can love somebody, but still um, not be as sexually attracted to them as in the past. Or so is that an issue? How long have you been together? Uh, two years, so, and not at all bored. Um, I'm just tired. And so why? I'm I'm putting off going to bed, and I'm telling him not to come over for dinner some nights during the week. So I just can't wait to watch TV and fall asleep. Because so that's it's easy. It's not about it, the intimacy issue. It's more about the number of times and the pressure I feel um, about having to do it. And about how many times are you doing it a week now? Um, <laughs> well, we just went away for a weekend and we did it at least two times every single night and then little bits and pieces during the day. So. I just kind of took it as this is a vacation, it's a lot more fun, you know, not a lot of responsibilities. So I didn't feel that kind of stress. But when we're back, um, he would see me every day if he had a chance. And I try to see him three times a week. And there's no chance of saying no. Yeah. Now, you mentioned fatigue, which is the number one reason for low sexual desire in women. And so what's causing your fatigue? Oh, probably just I'm 54 years old and just started menopause and so I just don't have that same feeling um, of being excited all the time and just tiredness. I'm always tired and uh, you know I'm not always tired actually I'm always tired when I get to bed so um, I I think that's probably it but for him um, I know for a fact he's not using Viagra I don't know what he's doing but whatever it is it's uh, more than once 20 minutes later and in between, there's absolutely nothing. So I know it's not Viagra. I just, I just feel like we're compatible in so many ways. But this one is is getting to me. And, and desire discrepancy is a very common issue. But you know, the fatigue, especially at menopause, you may want to, because your periods can be irregular. You can have excessive bleeding. You may want to just have an assessment by your doctor. Maybe, you know, find, investigate the source of the fatigue. 
and look at look at your life as well. What are some of the things that are contributing to it? Is this causing you stress? Are you feeling like you're disappointing him? Is this causing you stress that you're not um, meeting his sexual needs? Perhaps um, is he giving you a hard time about it? Uh, and you know what? Some guys, you know, not everybody gets erectile dysfunction. And some guys are, are healthy and have endurance and stamina that can last, you know, into the 70s and 80s. So you better take care of this now, girlfriend. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you. They told me to call you and they said you had all the answers. Well, well, you know what? It, look, you really want to find the root of the problem. If it's vaginal dryness, is there any sexual pain, your fatigue, maybe going into bed a bit earlier. You know, the how you sleep is related to how you deal with your relationships. You know, if you're sleeping well, if you're not. Uh, sleeping that well, maybe get a new pillow. My pillow, perhaps, <laughs> uh, would be more comfortable. I think the thing is, I, none of those things um, would affect it. My point is, it's not that I don't have any interest. Mm-hmm. Or I'm losing my libido. The bottom line is, it is too many times a week, a day, in the morning. I, I dread waking up because he wants it in the morning and we've done it the night before. I, so it, I think I'm very healthy. Let's call it three times a week. I would be comfortable. He he would call it every day and then some. Yeah, and I think at at, uh, at a two year relationship, when the hormone decreases, that excitability hormone decreases in the brain, and no longer is it scourging through, and you're having sex two or three times a week, that's a pretty healthy t- healthy amount of sex. So having that conversation, talking to him about it, coming to some agreement, compromise, making sure the romance remains in your relationship, I think is um, probably some of my best wisdom for the moment. And um, you know, lucky you. He wants to have sex with you. A lot of women are out there (laughs) complaining that their guys don't want to have sex with them. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks, Liz, for the call. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. If you have any questions at all for me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, We're talking about, uh, you've heard of helicopter parents well now we have lawnmower parents i remember when i was i was like the fourth girl <laughs> in my family of you know and there were several that came after me <laughs> anyway but my father an accountant always concerned about money and um uh, he would call it and i uh, false economy you never want to live in a false economy of course i'm extremely comfortable living in a false economy do you know what a false economy is, Matt? No, I don't. <laughs> Living beyond your means. Ah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I've been in overdraft for like seven years. No problem. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Sadly, me too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I should start listening to some of the finance shows. But anyway, um, so this has to do with this lawnmower. He was not a lawnmower parent in any way, shape, or form. But I was sort of the easygoing one that he, uh, you know, after um, signing up my three sisters before me for, and we're all like one year apart, for driving school lessons, he said to me, you know, you don't need those driving lessons. I'll show you how to drive. And I'm like, okay. Every other kid at high school got picked up by the driving school, except for me. But that was okay. I wasn't embarrassed. And so I, uh, I he took me on probably, you know, three <laughs> uh, um, driving lessons. Anyway, which is why I'm a horrible driver today. But nonetheless, um, I, uh, I didn't pass the first driver's test. No kidding, right? So I, um, so I said, you know, I, he, he said, uh, he was in the car in the back seat and the, you know, within like two minutes I'd failed or something. And then I tried to say to my father, I, I did, I, I put the blinker on or whatever it was that I had done. You know, I shouldn't have failed. And he said, no, no, you didn't. You, you were wrong. You know, you, he was right. The driving circuit was right. You were wrong. 
that was that. And, um, and so that was like, okay, I have to do better the next time. Well, in the normal family, you would have done better the next time by actually practicing driving a little bit more, but not in my family. My father said, wear your older sister's nursing uniform. <laughs> They'll never fail a nurse. Anyway, so that worked. But, you know, typically what I should have done was to try harder. And that's what we want our kids to do in the face of adversity. But we're raising a generation of my least favorite kind of people, ingrates, entitled, spoiled, impatient, and little people. It's amazing that parents who love their kids actually contribute to this. So a lot of parents think that their children are going to be on, you know, the Canucks, and they might be actually these days, but um, <laughs> your chances are better now. But no, you think that you're going to have a high performer in everything, in academics and in sports, and, and you're not, basically. You know, starts out in grade one, they basically, they, unless it's a dramatic change. But the best thing you can do is to give your kids feedback, the feedback that says, do better the next time. Instead of saying something like, if they're crying because they've lost the ballet competition or the dance competition or they didn't make the cheerleading team or whatever, or, um, you know, they, they didn't um, win the science fair or they didn't place or, or whatever, instead of saying, well, I thought you are... I thought your project was better than everybody's or doing the project for the kids. You know, that's another lethal uh, activity. But um, so instead of like comforting them and we want to comfort them, we're inclined to comfort them. We want them. We don't want our children to feel pain. Uh, And so that but but not allowing your kids to fail and to feel pain may mean you are detrimentally affecting your child's academic future. And, you know, that leads to their work life and and everything. Of course, in the moment when your child is upset, you want to console them and you hate to see them in pain and you want to provide a remedy, especially guys who are problem solvers. And so they want to just make people feel better um, right away, really quickly. But, you know, it it's, uh, it's much more important that you're honest with your children, that you encourage them to do the best that they possibly can. And, um, you know, and tell that be in line with what the teachers are telling them because we want to actually challenge our children. Children are constantly trying to challenge themselves, and we want to just be there as a support for their curiosity when they attempt to get their hands on on new toys, on a new or a new climbing set, or jump off a higher diving board than they did before. So, although our job as parents is to protect our children from harm, we also have to be that filter that they don't have for themselves, but we don't want our protection to be on steroids, basically. Um, We don't want our kids so protected that they fear the world around them more than they embrace all of those adventures and all of those opportunities that are presented to them. And kids have so much presented to them today. There are so many opportunities for children today. Uh, So you... The hover, the helicopter parents hover over their children and they're constantly pressuring them to accomplish tasks to perfection. And that's not a good thing. That can actually promote anxiety in children. But this is actually even a more damaging parenting style, this lawnmower parenting, because these parents clear the obstacles. They just get on the rider mower and boom, they are off and away. And they are clearing all obstacles from their children's path. So the children never have to deal with problems for themselves. Don't get me wrong. Parents mean well. Nobody likes to see somebody that they love and brought into this world suffer. 
But this can cause two particular problems. Our kids become, as I said earlier, my least favorite kind of person, entitled and thinking that everything comes easily. There's a line from, um, I think it was the Christopher Columbus movie. He was like the country he lived in. Everything came too easily to him. And that is not good. They simply, these kids that are, have the way cleared for them, expect things to always work out for them with little or no effort because it always has in the past. And that is how they were raised and children learn what they live. And so if you're giving that feedback um, about a child who didn't maybe make the team or whatever, didn't get chosen for the leadership thing, okay, how can they present the next time much better? How can they learn um, from, and they learn from failure? So they need to develop coping mechanisms to overcome this adversity. So the, the teachers do that. You can see there's a big disconnect at times uh, with teachers and parents. I remember hearing um, <laughs> this parent screaming at the teacher, re- listing all of the names. I just walked by the, it was like the kindergarten class or something. And I just walked by and I heard the teacher screaming, is you mean to tell me that my child is not as smart as, and she named every single kid in the neighborhood. Um, because her child had been put into a one-two split and not a um, proper one or two grade class because there's a lot of split classes these days. Um, so those are. it's really important that we stop deflecting failure, stop mowing that lawn for the, for the kids, stop trying to raise, or, or not, you're not trying to raise, but stop raising these entitled, spoiled kids that don't have an appreciation for hard work and learning from experience so that they can continue to improve and accomplish things in life. And they feel so great when they've accomplished things, whether they have studied really hard and done very well on a test. Um, I knew this little boy and he said he was only, he was only getting like 75%. I said, well, what's that about? And he said, I'm only studying 80% of the material. And I said, well, you're only going to get 80%. Anyway, when he started to 80%, he started, I mean, 100% started studying that, the grades went up. And so, what were you going to say, Matt? 75% were A's in my family. <laughs> Not in mine. <laughs> Not in this perfectionist family. No, no. Um, but you know what? You, A for effort. If I learn nothing else from the nuns that I went to school with, it's, you know what? If you try, you put your, forth your best effort. I don't actually believe that there are smarter kids. Okay, yeah. Perhaps my five-year-old one, a little bit of a Bomar brain there, a little brainiac. But, um, you know... Uh, I don't really feel that uh, you can get away without putting the work in. At some point, that is going to fail you. Everybody has to put the effort in. There's no just automatic, this one's smarter than that one. That just doesn't happen. You put in the work, you embrace failure, and collaborate with your kids to help to build the confidence that they need to mow the lawn themselves. And we saw a little guy, uh, he sent a letter to President Trump that he asked to mow the lawn. He makes $8 a week. He's only mowing one lawn, apparently, wherever he's from. But he's mowing the White House lawn. I hope yeah, he pretty raises cool. his rates like, to, like Trump will raise taxes. You would hope so. I would hope so. Raising anyway, the rates, not taxes. Uh, or maybe both. I don't know. I think he's raising, he's raising taxes for sure. Anyway, well, um, you know what? Parents do a great job and put in the effort and you will... Reap the benefits. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you, talking about all sorts of different subjects. Thank you so much for your emails. I'll be reading some of those a little bit further into the program. Um, and also you can give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. That's 604 280 or star 9898 on your cell. Lines are open. You know, there are times in a woman's life that she may have lots of questions and not know where to turn and expect one thing and get another. And uh, one of the most, can be the most beautiful times in a woman's life is when she is pregnant and giving birth. It can be also very challenging for some women who have hyperemesis gravidarum. We talked about that last week. That's retractable vomiting, nausea and vomiting that just doesn't end. Um, But the postpartum period is something that no one really wants to talk about. That's why I'm talking about it tonight, and I'm happy to talk about it, because um, I was very happy to see a website called Morescap, which is all about postpartum wellness. These are the six weeks after you have delivered your baby. So this is the six weeks that a woman has. It's the, called the postpartum period, and it's the time when the after labor and delivery. And joining me on the line is the creator of Morescap, postpartum wellness, Yana. Hello, Yana. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks so much for reminding me about this particular subject. This can be a very difficult time in a woman's life. Um, You know, say she gains 100 pounds during her pregnancy. (laughs) Not that I know anyone who did that. And and then uh, expects, you know, has an eight-pound baby and um, weighs the same. (laughs) (laughs) After delivery, women expect to, and none of it was fluid. It was all Chinese food and porterhouse steaks. But um, women expect to just go back to their normal way, the way they were before they got pregnant, especially after the first baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why did you create Morescap? And first of all, let's step back. What does Morescap mean? Yeah, so Morskap uh, actually means uh, uh, motherhood in Norwegian. Um, so I, I, I'm based in San Francisco, California, but I grew up in Scandinavia, um, you know, where moms are given time to recover childbirth, sort of master challenges of, of motherhood after having a, you know, a long, fully paid parental leave, which we don't really get in the U.S. Uh, I know you guys have it slightly better. Uh, and we do have it better also, in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Uh, and then dads also get a, a long uh, parental leave, uh, and this would, uh, and, and, and the culture, culturally they tend to you know fully share child-rearing responsibilities. So this framework gives moms much more room to adapt to motherhood, and I borrowed the Norwegian word for motherhood as the inspiration for the story um, in morescop.com. Well, that's lovely. And you really get down to basics in this blog. Um, yeah. You know, simple questions that somebody may be afraid to ask their doctor or have forgotten to ask their doctor. When does the period return? Or they may have been misinformed. Um, mm-hmm. So you're asking questions or you're giving providing information to questions yeah. such as when does the period return? Will it be the same as before? Mm-hmm. What's the first period after birth or when is that? When to be concerned? So it's great information that you're providing for women. And it is pretty confusing, right? You're, you know, right after having a birth, you're just constantly bleeding. Um, so it's really hard to tell. You and know. not able to I get back into your bikini that. either. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, so I, I, I started 
uh, Morse cop, I really, um, you know, when, when, when I was pregnant last year, I discovered there's like a sea of helpful resources on how to become pregnant uh, and surviving pregnancy and labor and just taking care of his little human and breastfeeding and really everything. Uh, what, I, what I felt was missing was just um, a resource that would give specific information on this sort of what happens to me with my body after I've been through all of this. Um, and so I had just lots and lots of questions, you know, how long before I heal, given my mode of delivery, what exercise can I do in the meantime, what exercise should I do, when should I do it, uh, will things go back to normal, is it safe to have sex again, um, should sex really feel like this, uh, is it feel normal to feel this, is it normal to feel that, is it still normal to feel that? Um, so some of these questions I talked to other moms about, uh, but I found that their answers really varied based on their specific um, pre-existing health issues and how their pregnancy went and how their labor went. And my own network of moms just wasn't large enough um, to cover every possible scenario. So in some things, I wasn't comfortable talking with them about in person. Um, in the beginning, I didn't feel like talking with anyone. I didn't feel like I had the time to talk to anyone. Um, so I tried searching online. Um, that turned to be really time-consuming. There's just so much noise out there. Um, and so I really tried to create a consolidated resource to help answer questions about being new mom that focuses on the mom and not the baby. Um, and so that's what Morscop um, is all about. So who's the ideal audience? Yeah, so the, originally I thought the ideal audience would be new moms. Um, but then as I connected with more and more moms in the process of creating this, and, and some of these moms were... Uh, had their second or third child, and I realized that each postpartum process is really different. Uh, some moms um, experience things with their second child that they didn't have to worry about with their first child. So I really think it's a site for all moms and partners that support them. I also don't think it's limited to the very um, short period right after birth because some of these issues can test your mom for years after they give birth. Um, prolapse in particular is one that, you know, uh, usually, uh, many moms don't realize until much, much later, like sometimes decades later. Um, and so I think it really can be something that supports moms from the time they've given birth and throughout life, depending on whenever they, they realize that they have an issue. Absolutely. I think it's a good resource for healthcare providers as well to guide their patients to go to this, um, mm-hmm. to your, to Mosscrop, to, uh, Morse, Morsecap, to, um, you know, provide them some information in this limited time we have to spend with our patients many times. So, and and what is so special about the postpartum time? And I do also want to talk a little bit about postpartum depression. And that's why I think um, information uh, like your blog is so important for women. So, but what is so special about this postpartum time? Yeah. Um, so I think it's just a time that's incredibly difficult for women, as you, as you mentioned in the beginning. Um, they've just wobbled around with this baby in their body for months, um, being nauseous, not getting enough sleep, gaining a ridiculous amount of weight, uh, often pretty shocking process. Then they've gone through this ridiculously intense process of giving birth. Um, Their bodies are aching everywhere. You know, you have stitches that are sore. The uterus is contracting back to its normal size. Um, Some moms, I certainly did, um, experience really painful breast milk letdowns. Um, you have a body that's full of hormones um, causing depression, as you mentioned, and, and sometimes anxiety for some moms. Um, 
And then if they have to go back to work, um, they also feel inadequate at their job and, and motherhood and just trying to juggle it all. They have so many, many questions um, and issues. And then at the same time, the healthcare system, at least here in the U.S., um, shifts all focus to the baby. The mom sort of gets, you know, I, I got a one-pager <laughs> on using ice right. packs and painkillers, and I'm supposed to kind of fend for myself. Um, I did have a really challenging, I think, probably a particularly challenging pregnancy and, and birth myself. Um, and then I spent most of my uh, pretty short maternity leave just visiting various doctors. Um, and then I became particularly frustrated because most resources around uh, women's health have to do with fertility or infertility, pregnancy, um, and taking care of the baby. Like exactly. Pregnancy. And you yeah. cover so many different subjects from exercise to uh, sore nipples to, as you said, pelvic organ prolapse. It's a great resource. Uh, it's morescap.com, M-O-R-S-K-A-P.com. Yana, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure yeah, to have yeah. you. It's been a pleasure to, be, to, to join. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So head on over to that blog, morescap.com. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.